<laughs> Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy romance and romantic fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee and I'm laughing because I was having a hard time reaching the chimes. I'm sort of behind a little bump in the wall so that I'm in the shade of the rising sun. Uh, but I couldn't quite get it to like do all the chimes. It was just like clanging on one. So just not what we're going for. Uh, today is Tuesday, October 26th. Um, lovely autumn day. Supposed to get blustery later. Ah, that's good. So the secret project is a pace. Um, I spent a lot of yesterday working on it back and forth with agent Sarah and it sounds like we're going to go out on submission with it. So woohoo fingers crossed think good thoughts. Think big money thoughts for me please. Big money big money. (laughs) I don't know what that was. Uh, We need I need like little cheerleaders go team go. I did do a brief stint as a cheerleader. Is that a surprise? Probably is a surprise. Um, it was one of those deals when I was like 11 10 11 and the little um I don't even know what it was um mom do you know what it was? <laughs> it was like some you know like the little boys played football and the little girls played cheerleader I guess that was what we did and um Raiders was the Raiders colors were red and gold and I had gold knee high socks and one of my friends who was much more diligent and more naturally athletic than I was uh, went on to then in seventh grade uh, which was middle school for me um, to be a an actual cheerleader and she was a a pom pom girl throughout high school and thus one of the popular girls. And I remember ninth grade which was freshman year of high school for me uh, my best friend really 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 wanted to be in the palms and because she felt like that would be our ticket to popularity and so we did this very diligent um, put together a routine for our audition and we did it practiced it over and over again and we did it to a Billy Joel song. For homicide. I'm trying to remember what the name of the songs. Well, I won't sit here and try to recall the song for you guys. I could sing it for you, but nobody needs that. Um, and my stepdad even like videotaped us doing it so that we could see how we looked and refine it, which may have been a mistake because, um, you know, it was like one of those things of, you know, like how I see myself in my head and how I actually look. Turned out there was a really huge disparity there. I remember adolescence being a whole lot of that right you know um, what I thought my body was doing was in my head was not what it was actually doing and I think that's part of that massive growth spurt and changes and all of that. Anyway we went to do the audition and <laughs> to our Billy Joel song and with our routine that we've made up and we were in the big gym with all the other girls auditioning and 
every single one of the other groups all did the exact same routine to a totally different song and it was like it turned out like they had all gone to this cheer camp that we like didn't know about and a lot of them had been the ones who had been like the eighth grade cheerleaders and pom-poms and so they like all did the exact same routine and you know so not only did we kind of suck i mean i joan was probably better than i was because i was just not very coordinated i was also a year younger than any everybody else which um it was because i have that late august birthday and and i was driving my mother crazy with questions so i started school a year early which you should not feel guilty about mom because it was absolutely the right choice. I'm, I was much happier in school. I just wasn't necessarily a <laughs> coordinated. Uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. But anyway, um, and I remember Joan just being so wrecked that we hadn't known that like, I mean, it wasn't a rule. It wasn't like, you know, like theater where they're like, please come to the audition prepared to sing this particular song or you know one of these particular songs or know this dance routine that was never a part of it but it was the unwritten rule and i guess that's um that's one of those things right you know like when you are in the out group and you want to become part of the in group the the unshared knowledge the unwritten rules are the things that will trip you up and even if they didn't already know that you were obviously an outsider uh that would show you as one right because and we did we stuck out so badly and and then joan was just devastated that we were not chosen and um i was i was sad i don't remember being hugely sad um i didn't really like it. I didn't like doing it. Um, I didn't like doing it when I was a cheerleader because it was, um, I don't know. It was, I'm, I'm sorry if you guys were cheerleaders and you really liked it, but for me, it was kind of stupid, you know, because you do the L E T H G O let's go, let's go, you know, and you had your yay team and I didn't care, you know, and like we were supposed to, I didn't understand football and I was supposed to like know that we were supposed to do certain cheers at certain times and we'd be there on the sidelines doing our stupid little cheers that nobody cared about and parents would be yelling at us to get out of the way. Like the coach would come and like sort of push us aside and mow us down. And I don't know. It felt like a very token job, right? You know, the boys are doing something interesting. They're playing football and they're learning to play football. And here you can have a short skirt and gold socks and sing this stupid little chant encouraging the boys to do something that you don't even know what they're supposed to be doing. I heard a story once and it could be apocryphal. I don't know how true it is. Um, I, the source is suspect, but, uh, he had said that the origin of cheerleaders came from the Celtic tribes when the, uh, women would shriek and jump up and down and bare their breasts to uh encourage their warriors on um i suspect it's highly apocryphal because i think that the celtic warrior women were just like out there with spears and maybe their breasts were bare or not but it was not to egg on the men anyway um i got off on that whole tangent sorry about that you guys 
so yeah, I uh, never auditioned for palms again. Um, I was never a popular girl and, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's funny looking back on those things, right? I'm glad I didn't have to spend a lot of time learning routines like that. <laughs> it wasn't my thing. It just wasn't my thing. Even if I had been good at it, which I was not. So, um, let's talk about you. What do you guys have to? So I said that yesterday spent a lot of time on secret project. I may have to do some more today, but then otherwise I'm getting back to the novella. Glad to have this thing out on submission. Um, I talked a little bit with an author friend of mine this morning, uh, messaging, which is why I'm running a little bit late. I actually woke up in time and was fairly efficient, but then I started messaging with her cause it was when she could. And we hadn't really, um, had a conversation in a long time, but it was interesting hearing from her and, uh, you know, the book that she is working on right now, which is for traditional publishing. And, you know, she's, she's got a couple things out on submission. And this is an author who's been around much longer than I have. She's been publishing for much longer and, um, she's been New York times bestselling author. And she used to make, she used to get like hundred thousand dollar advances more. And you know, and it was like, um, her thing fell out of favor and they started looking for people who are making more than that. And she was, she was going through the same frustration that a lot of us feel cause she's writing in a slightly different genre now. And she said that uh, her last book, I asked her how it did. And she said, well, it did well enough to get her a bigger advance on this book, which is great. I mean, that's, that's what you want. You know, it's, that's the sign. If they'll give you a bigger advance, that means that you've done pretty well, but she said not enough to hit a bestseller list. And also, um, on one of her submissions that had gone out, they had cited the sales of in this genre and said, well, that they didn't feel that like those sales were strong enough for them to bite on this submission, whatever that means. Right. Um, which is frustrating. I, I was really sympathizing with her on that, but she was also saying that, you know, her book that's done pretty well enough to get her the bigger advance. You know, she said, you know, there are other books out there that are, you know, like in that same niche as mine and they are hitting lists and getting movie deals. And, and I don't think they're any better than mine. And she said, I'm, I'm not saying <laughs> anything bad about them. It's not that they aren't good, but I just don't see that they're better than mine. And, and I totally feel that too. You know, it's like, why, why are some, why do some things hit and other things don't, we just don't know. Um, and I know I talk about this a lot, but it's, it's a thing of ongoing interest to me. It's like, we try to determine what is good. We want there to be this measure of what is good. And I know, I, I know some people who say things like that. They have incredible, incredible taste that they're very good taste and they know what's good. And 
in at least one case, I think that the person simply memorized a set of criteria that other people would agree were good or meant good and that, and they navigate by that. It's, um, it's a fascinating thing to me about human nature that we want to describe something as being good or not good. And when there's clearly this other, this whole other aspect to it, right? Where it's like, you know, like people will complain that twilight or 50 shades of gray is not well-written. Um, but then it does phenomenally well. And it's like, okay, so does that mean it's not good, but people love it. And my friend, uh, partly became my friend because I loved her books. I know she's an amazing writer. So I haven't read this particular book, but when she tells me, well, I don't think these other books are, are any better than mine, but they're doing so much better. Um, you know, I don't know what's missing you know, if is something missing or is the voice just slightly different from what people expect? It's, um, yeah, it's something for which there is no answer, except I think that you just have to get as a creator, you have to be kind of Zen about it. Um, maybe decide that, you know, it would be nice if we were all in the place of, um, not caring. (laughs) where it didn't matter. Um, I, I can't tell you this one story, which I wish I could, but I can't, but I am thinking of Ursula Le Guin in her, um, acceptance speech for, it was some sort of lifetime achievement award. And it was in, um, I think 2018. I, I can look it up and I will link to it. If I remember, I try to remember, poke me, you know, you guys could always message me and say, you've got to link to this and I can add it. But anyway, Neil Gaiman introduced it and his introduction was very interesting too, and worth listening to It's a, there's a video of it, but her speech is quite famous. Um, and has been cited many times, but she basically took down the New York publishing industry for being overly consumed with commercial success and that she thought that there wasn't enough room for art, that there wasn't, that people were caring more about, um, making money than producing good books. And it's a compelling speech, but it's also an easy thing to say and absolutely no shade to Madame Le Guin who, um, you know, I have read and loved her stuff for ages and, you know, she is obviously a giant and very savvy, um, very sharp witted. And I love her essays and I appreciate her stances on feminism and everything, but you know, maybe that's the kind of speech you can give at your lifetime achievement award, um, that you can look back and say, I have to figure out which it, it was a big prize. Um, big award, but she'd look back at the, she's at the the end of her life. I mean, she died not that long after, and it's easy to say there should be more focus on art and less focus on money. And it's like, well, okay, that sounds great, 
that sounds really nice but we live in a capitalist society and that's not how things work. I mean it would be nice if we changed that sure but um, in that case it's like who decides what's art who decides what's meaningful you know there's always that uh, favoritism given to dramatic themes as opposed to um, happy ones or romantic ones. Uh, some things are seen as being frivolous and thus unimportant. Is that not art? And then you know and then until that happens there's a whole lot of us out here wanting to make our living as writers right we we want to write books and we want people to read our books or our stories and you know saying oh well there's too much focus on commercial success and not enough on producing art. It's like well producing art is great if you've got a patron if you've got someone who will you know pay your mortgage and pay your bills and you know we could say that money isn't everything but also we do need money for some things you know to you know like for food and for shelter and all of that and you know it's I don't I guess what I'm coming around to is that I don't think commercial success is a bad thing. I do think that traditional traditional publishing's emphasis on extremely high amounts of money um you know that that we've been talking about the the disappearing mid list for a really long time that if you are um you know sort of like a bread and butter writer and earning on the smaller side that they they lose interest because they want those big sellers. Um, the the emphasis is on that extraordinary explosion. Um, I don't I've been hearing that for a really really long time and and one thing I always want to ask this is like my thing about the middle princess right you know like I wrote the the mark of the Tala originally because and I called it the middle princess because you know the fairy tales always talked about well the oldest goes and does a thing the middle princess goes and does the exact same thing then the youngest and most beautiful goes and does the thing and succeeds and I always thought what who's this middle princess who just like blithely goes and does the exact same thing and like has no personality. Um, that was where that story started in this case it's like we talk about the breakout bestsellers we talk about the disappearing middleist well who's we never talk about who's at the bottom right who's in this case it's not the youngest and most beautiful it's like what are they the the failures the the washouts the people who whose books never earn out you know and it's like it it's not because their books aren't good. So a lot of random thoughts on that I'm still obviously still piecing them together but on that note I'll remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the frolic media podcast network. And you will find more podcasts that you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all Thursday. You all take care. Bye bye.